Everyone, welcome back to the Time Shifters podcast. We are in studio, but sounding maybe a little differently than we usually do because I opened the mic up for another third party. Our listener, <laughs> one <laughs> listener, Floyd. So who's listening now? That's a, That's oh. a good question. <laughs> <laughs> Floyd here has joined us in studio. I, Matt and I have both really appreciated the feedback and the letters that you have sent in, Floyd. So really appreciate that. And uh, yeah. thank you for coming uh making the long trip here to oh. to join us in the studio. Glad to be here, and uh, you know, whenever I can make my opinions known, I love doing that. <laughs> <laughs> now, I should mention, you did send in a, um, a letter, uh, and now that you're here, it was just something that you had brought up. We had talked about the, um, the Rotten Tomatoes scores affecting, um, uh, who was it again? It was, um, it was Ratner. It? Yes. Brett Ratner. He said the Rotten Tomatoes scores had like ruined his the <laughs> popularity of his movie. And uh, you actually, you actually, you were kind of agreed with the Rotten Tomatoes, or at least agreed with uh, that you shouldn't judge it based yeah, on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, right. I don't necessarily agree with his assessment because <clears throat> yeah, I think he was just trying to use an excuse for why no one wanted to watch his movies. Uh, but, but uh, yeah, I've seen movies that I really enjoyed, like The Great Wall, which did terrible on Rotten Tomatoes, but I enjoyed it. So if I'd gone there and looked at the score, I would have thought, eh, I don't want to go see that, and I would have missed out on a movie I really enjoyed. I actually kind of want to see it, only because I didn't realize, I heard about The Great Wall, that there was going to be this movie called The Great Wall, whatever. It wasn't until I finally saw a trailer when it came out, they're like, oh, wait, there's dragons? <laughs> <laughs> Why didn't they call it the Dragons Attack the Great Wall or something? Yeah, I might have been more interested. <laughs> what I loved about that movie was that uh, there, uh, there's a, a, West, or a couple Westerners in it, but they're not there to save the or the uh, Asians who don't know what they're doing, and it's not the case at all. Good. They just they're just simply there to help out. And I I really appreciated that. There is always whenever there is a an American actor uh, in any film that's based in anywhere other than America, there is always the discussion of whitewashing and why do they have to be there? Why couldn't you get Asian actors? And well, that's true and all, but it's an American film. And you know, you know who has Asian actors? Asian filmmakers. <laughs> well, this was made by an Asian filmmaker. Was it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it really shows in in the culture being displayed and uh, or portrayed, and and it really shows. I, I didn't realize that going into it, but when I was watching the film, I thought this has got to be an Asian <laughs> an Asian production here. Hmm. So it's really it feels a little bit more like a um, almost like a, a Chinese uh, like well. Kaiju was Japanese, but mm-hmm. giant monster film. Yeah. But in a, a Chinese uh, world. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. yeah, I'm even more interested to see it now. I, you throw in dragons, I'm going to want to watch it. <laughs> what the heck? I don't think we have any news. It's been a little slow in the news community. I haven't seen anything come up. Matt, have you um, come, anything come across you? Stuff always seems to kind of scoot across your desk better than it does mine <laughs> on this. The only thing, to me, it's not that big a deal because it's so far out is the uh, announcement that Joss Whedon will be directing a Batgirl movie. I think it's still rumor, or they're, they're, no, they're in he's, discussion? He's or confirmed it. Is it confirmed now? Yes. And so he's just gone on to say that um, he's looking for an unknown to play Barbara Gordon, and that they want to do the new 52 version. And the only reason I'm bringing it up is because I'm not interested in any of that. (laughs) I don't really care for him as a director. Hmm. I don't like the new 52 version of Barbara Gordon. I don't know what that entails. I don't like the new 52 pretty much across the board. (laughs) 
Um, I like Barbara Gordon, the character, a lot. I think she's one of... I, I think you could make the argument that she's one of the five most important characters in DC Comics. Probably either first or second most important female character in DC Comics. But that version of her doesn't really interest me. I liked her more as Oracle than as Batgirl. I like Cassandra Kane as Batgirl more than I liked Barbara as Batgirl. And so to say that you're going to do the version of the New 52, which is after she stopped being Oracle and she went back to being Batgirl, I'm just sort of like, you're picking, for me, the least interesting version of that character by a director who I think just makes his living off making everyone quippy. <laughs> when when I watched... Well, uh, yeah. I can't disagree. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you really saw it in Age of Ultron, where even the villain was being snarky and quippy. Yeah. And I'm just sort of like, is that going to be the whole movie? We're going to have an hour and 45 minutes of just everyone giving each other lip? <laughs> See, I, I'm completely behind on the Batgirl mythology. I thought the whole reason she became Oracle was because she had been shot by the Joker and paralyzed. Very controversial so in itself. Yeah, she couldn't be Batgirl, and that's where she became Oracle. And I think she's more powerful as Oracle. I think she's more interesting as Oracle. I like the fact that you have a person with a disability as a superhero, as a major contributing superhero, as mm -hmm. at one point a member of the Justice League. Um, but I, I, if they wanted to do the whole route of they heal her paralysis, you still could have gone, well, she chooses to be Oracle. I think she's wasted putting on cape and cowl. And she can do so much more in the superhero community behind a computer. So, in the new 52, does the gunshot and the paralysis not happen? How does... That's up in the air. Okay. Um, I, I only kept up with it through Wiki because I just I couldn't oh, okay. keep reading it. And it, it was something like that past may or may not have happened, at least at the last time I checked. Okay. Comic books are really a soap opera, so if you yes. don't keep up with the day-to-day, -day, you're not going to know the details. <laughs> Why, it's his evil twin! Dun, dun, dun. Exactly. <laughs> there was an old... It was ahead of its time, frankly, because I think it would probably go over really well now, back in the early 90s, I want to say. Maybe late 90s. There was a short-lived show called Birds of Prey. Yep. Do you remember? Did you watch it? Did you, did you I remember didn't, it existing? I right? remember it existing. And that um, dealt with a Barbara Gordon, who yes. was in a wheelchair, mm -hmm. but could don the, the cape and cowl to a lot of pain. It, it was like, um, I forget, it was probably like uh, robotics or something like that. Sure. But it, it brought it a lot of pain, and even to the extent that if she kept doing it, she literally could be permanently paralyzed or or, or it could kill her right. altogether. I thought that was a neat kind of take on that film and of the idea of the superhero and what are you, to what extent are you going to go to, to, you know, do what you think is right? Yeah. Yeah, and I, I think that's that's very interesting and that's that's kind of a side of the character I like of, of she she doesn't do this because of any real sense of personal tragedy. She's mm -hmm. one of those few Bat characters who isn't doing that. She's doing it because she has this strong sense of right and wrong. And and I also wonder, since the, the DC movies are doing this, at least on the Batman side of it, of 
been going on for a while. Like Batman's been Batman for twenty years when we first meet him. So is this a Barbara Gordon who's been Batgirl? Has she been Oracle? Or is this an origin story? Mm-hmm. But when I heard Joss Whedon, I just sort of went, I'll see it, but I don't know what he's going to bring to it that I'm going to care about. Yeah, unfortunately, he's become one of those directors. It's just, it's just one of those go-to directors. If you're going to like kind of try to kick off a franchise or something, it's like, oh, we'll get... It's either J.J. Abrams or it's Joss Whedon. <laughs> yeah. You know? uh, Avengers, Joss Whedon. Oh, Star Wars, J.J. Abrams. Right. <laughs> Is, is, there, is there no one else working in Hollywood? <laughs> I think there's plenty of other people. I think that's just the name, one of those names that when you drop, everyone gets excited. It trends for a day. Well, he's got a, a big backstory and a lot of history of writing strong female characters. Right. And so if you're going to do a Batgirl, I have to think that's why his name shot to the top of the list. Sure. And that is true. I mean, his female characters tend to not be you know, the, the damsel in distress. They can take care of themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not, you know, or they are very intelligent. So I guess in this case, I can see why they went with him. But obviously, if you don't like a lot of the other things that he's done with the other characters that he writes for or directs, I I can definitely see you being a little, you know, hesitant. Yeah, and it's not that I dislike his work. I just don't see anything special about it. I, I looked at the Avengers, like the first Avengers movie, and my thought was, well, what was the big arc? Who had a big emotional arc? Who, at the end of that movie, changed from who they were at the beginning? wasn't really anybody Mm. and the same with age of ultron like tony stark went outside of communicating with the team and he made ultron and later in the movie he went outside with communicating with the team and made vision the end does not justify the means (laughs) (laughs) he was a jerk twice uh who was it that directed the first iron man that was John Favreau. Favreau. And I think he's one of the three most important directors in the Marvel movies. I was just going to say, that is a name that I would like to see come back into the uh, yeah. superhero universe again. Because, you know, as you were saying, you've you, you got a character that is one thing, and by the end of the movie, he's something else. And there's this really great arc and, and how he got to that. And Favreau did a great job with that with Iron Man. If it weren't for Iron Man... You'd have nothing. You, I, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you wouldn't have this Marvel universe. Right. It's... Captain America come before Iron Man, or Iron Man was the first one? Iron Man started it, yeah. Okay, yeah, it started. Okay, that's what I thought. So, yeah, without that success, you would not have this big Marvel juggernaut that we have today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Favreau did the first two Iron Man movies, and he hasn't done anything since. I would love to see him come back. Yeah, and it doesn't have to be in the Marvel to bring him over to the DC. That might be one of the best things DC could do. I would love that, yeah. I think the last thing he did was Jungle Book, and everybody said that it was great. Mm-hmm. But yeah, put him in DC, I'd be really happy. I would love to see him be like in a, a Booster Gold Blue Beetle buddy cop movie <laughs> for DC superheroes. Yeah, he bring, would bring one of the great. more minor characters uh-huh. and give it to some like Favreau and really turn into a big movie. That would be something interesting. Well, so that's it. That's all we got for the, the news, I think. Floyd, did you I, have something? I have a, uh, I'll tell a little story. Okay. Sure. Um, the last, podca- last published podcast when you guys were talking about... Uh, um, the Rotten Tomatoes things and mm-hmm. and uh, but I remember I started listening to that podcast in my car. I got to work, so I had to stop. So I'm at work and I got a uh, my iTunes playing just on shuffle, and I hear the uh, theme song come from the old podcast. I thought yeah. I had no idea which one this one is. I didn't look to see which one it was. So I started, <laughs> still so, sitting on your iTunes. yeah yeah. So, so I listened to it and um, it was uh, you, Chris, myself, and Steve. And we were talking about Forbidden Planet. Oh, there you go. <laughs> and I get back in my car, 
continue listening to the podcast, and you guys start, you mentioned, Forbidden Planet. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. I just thought that was, that was very ironic that uh, I'd listen to that old one, and then you guys certainly, were talking about it. <laughs> certainly a coincidence. That's funny. Yeah, it was, yeah, Matt had never even heard of the film. It was the first time he watched it. So it I just realized I forgot it again. <laughs> oh, <laughs> it's my copy. I know. It's I want to watch Forbidden Planet. <laughs> it's next to my TV. I need to leave it at my desk. <laughs> I'll start texting a note. Like That's a good idea. Uh, to, <laughs> Half an hour before Forbidden Planet. <laughs> but I thought it was interesting listening to that old podcast. Listen, you guys discuss. We all have the same opinion. <laughs> oh yeah, I, I, I've <laughs> never met anybody that actually didn't like Forbidden yeah. Planet, unless they were literally just not sci-fi fans. And they shouldn't all. watch it. Yeah, right. what were they doing watching <laughs> it? Yeah. All right, well, we're going to take a short break here. Oh, actually, before we do that, uh, if you have any feedback or. Uh, comments on anything that you've heard us say or any suggestions about films you think we'd be interested in, ch- in checking out send those to timeshifterspodcast at gmail.com come join our Facebook uh, page or Facebook group or uh, tweet us go to uh, at movies at the mat and at timeshifterspod and hell I guess if you're local if you want to come to the studio maybe we can work something out <laughs> yeah yeah I can't be the only listener providing feedback. Come on. <laughs> yeah. Let's go. Or or we can travel. We can take the show on the road. So, <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we're going to take a short break. Uh, here another little uh, promo for another podcast. And when we get back, we're going to have a little just general discussion about disaster films. Drama. Horror. Sci-fi. Killer mattresses. Hercanos. Bears in noodle shops. Unnecessary sequels. Hasselhoff. Men torpedoes. Hear about all this and more on... Greenlight, Red Light, where all of your Hollywood dreams come to die. Only on the Everyone's Got a Thing podcast network. Everyone'sGotAThing.com Men torpedoes. Okay, we are back. The disaster film. You know, I was surprised. I I found a little, a great little article um, on filmsite.org, which I think is affiliated with AMC. And I was surprised at how far back the actual idea of the disaster film goes, all the way back to the silent era. And one of the first movies that they even mentioned as being a, kind of a, a disaster film, going back in 1916, it looks like it's a maybe a, a Danish film, it was a film about a rogue comet plummeting, you know, <laughs> threatening Earth in, in 1916. <laughs> wow! <laughs> I didn't think that started, that stuff did, I didn't think that started happening until the 50s. So that, that was uh, interesting to, to, to see that that kind of theme would go back that early. That must be very interesting to see as a silent movie. Yeah. Just to see how that must be. Just is a lot of pointing. <laughs> and then, you know, just the toy rock being moved across with a stick. <laughs> that would be... I don't know. Unfortunately, some of these you know silent films, especially some of these foreign silent films, I don't know if they even exist. Uh, or if they've been saved to a digital... You know, are they on the YouTube or anything right. like that? I've got to start trying to dig some of these up. I do enjoy some of the old silent films. They're interesting. They're usually fairly short, so they're an easy watch. And incredibly creative on some of the how they do special effects mm. quote unquote um, so I'm curious to try to see what was this one called the end of the world <laughs> creative <laughs> from 1916 <laughs> so I'm curious to uh, 
even though I probably wouldn't understand if, if it was truly Danish. <laughs> I'm not going to understand even when they throw up the, the title cards. But <laughs> I was going to say it's silence. What, what were there be to understand? Yeah, but you still got they throw up the <laughs> oh, then, you know, these, yeah. yeah, and it would, it would be all in Danish. I wouldn't know what they were saying. Um, yeah, disaster films in general, though, it, I have to admit they're one of my... I don't want to say favorite kind of films, but I, they are ones that I do enjoy. I, I, I'm not even sure why. And it's obviously, it's, I'm not the only one because it's something that they get popular. They're, they go on like a, uh, a pendulum kind of swing mm-hmm. between, you know, whether they're, they seem popular and then they get really popular. And, and then almost every, in almost every instance when they become really popular, they're usually glomming on to the sort of the rip from the headlines kind of thing. Um, but how, what's your general thought on the on the disaster films? Is it um, like Floyd? We'll start with you. Are they ones that you you go to, or are you typically shy? I'm, I'm hoping no, that you don't no, shy away no, from them I, since you're here. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I like the disaster films, and usually when I see trailers for one. Uh, if there's some sort of um, big wave coming and wiping out a city, or or see a bunch of tornadoes, or some sort of natural destruction going on, I usually think, okay, I don't care what the plot is. It looks like a special effects extravaganza. I want to no. see it. You're there. Pro- you're, you're there more for the. Eye I'll probably candy. yeah, exactly. And, and usually, especially for the modern ones, it seems like that's exactly what you get. Short on plot. But a lot of really cool special effects. Yeah, and if you go in expecting that, then you have a good time. Yeah, I'm I'm more interested in the ones where the disaster kind of happens within the first few minutes of the movie. It's not about the ongoing disaster or the disaster's coming. It's more of this happened. Now let's see what everyone does. Let's see how the characters react, and let's get to know them while they're in this terrible moment. Mm-hmm. And so I, there's. One that's a bit older, which is the Poseidon Adventure. Yeah. Um, which I still think is the gold standard of, you know, and it wasn't this big scale disaster that took out, you know, a whole city. It was just one ocean liner, and we get to know this one group of people. And then the more modern one is 10 Cloverfield Lane, where we're led to believe that a nuclear blast went off, and then we get to know that these three characters down in a bunker. And so we kind of you see the same kind of character development, and the disaster is just the excuse to force them all together. Mm-hmm. And those are my favorites. Yeah. Those definitely make for the for the better films. Yes. No, no doubt about that. Yeah, I was actually surprised. I was just going back. I, as co- coincidentally, uh, of course, the, the new MST aired on Netflix yes. uh, this past month, and one of the films they did is Avalanche. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I had to watch, knowing we we're going to talk about this one. Well, I'll skip ahead. I'll watch Avalanche. And surprisingly, with that film, the avalanche takes place in the last 15 minutes of the film. Like a good MST3K movie should (laughs) (laughs) The whole thing is this whole build-up to the avalanche. Oh, you have to do this or there's going to be an avalanche. Oh, no, it's fine. And then there's lots of human drama going back and forth. Rock Hudson and Mia Farrow (laughs) and the most woefully mismatched couples in cinematic history and blah, blah. And then finally... The avalanche and the avalanche is really more of a inconvenience <laughs> to most people, to the most of the to the stars anyway. You see it kind of come down and it does kill people, but to the main stars, it's just more of an inconvenience. They have to dig out a little bit and ah, oh, you're safe. And 
that to that's me, it. Roll you know, credits. That will fall under the disaster film genre, but to me, that just doesn't work as a disaster film. Right. That's one of the more of it's a disaster of a film. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> we did. We asked on our on our Facebook pages. We asked for people to throw in some their, their thoughts on disaster films and some of your favorites. Someone commented on on your wall, uh, Chad Peters. Yeah, he gave a great answer. A great explanation. I'm going to read this. He says, I "Guess my take would be in order for a movie to be considered a disaster movie, said disaster would have to be the primary focus of the story, which what which drives the plot." Short, true disaster movies are really stories primarily concerned with survival. So what this stemmed from was whether or not you would consider Titanic a disaster mm-hmm. film. But that is a little bit more like The Avalanche, where right. the story, the, the sinking of the Titanic has nothing to do with the story that we watched the, through the entire film. So under that definition, he doesn't consider Titanic a disaster film. Right. Now, if it was more like what you are talking about, Poseidon Adventure, first five minutes of the film, boom. That wave hits and that ship's upside down. Yep. And everything that takes place afterwards is because that disaster happened. That is a good disaster film. Yep. And I think that um, that works really well. There are other ways. You don't have to have the disaster at the beginning of the film, but it can be like an impending disaster that your story has to build up to try to prevent or to get ready for or something like that. Not all those are really good. Um, I think Rod Barnett... Uh, on our Facebook group brought up the movie Meteor with Sean Connery and that whole movie is you know everyone has to get together we're going to launch all the you know, the US and the mm-hmm. USSR are going to team up and we're going to launch missiles at because there's a giant meteor that's going to hit the earth so it's a disaster film but the disaster doesn't take place until the end of the movie yeah. or preventing the disaster it doesn't take place to the end of the movie but it's still that disaster that drives the plot so I think that would still count as a disaster film. Dante's Peak comes to mind uh, for something like that. That one yeah. actually came up for a couple people that had mentioned that some of their favorites. Dante's Peak was one that they mentioned. I really like that one. Yeah, I did too. Oh, that one is a... Um, the volcanoes erupt... I guess the main eruption doesn't happen towards the end, but it's all the, the build-up and the minor mm-hmm. eruptions and the sulfuric pools and everything that happened throughout the film. So... Really, it's an ongoing disaster leading up to the to a major disaster. That that's one where the ongoing disaster was done well. Yes, mm-hmm. yeah, it's very underrated. Um, I think pe- people who didn't see it even forgot that it existed. Um, but yeah, it, it's again, it's one of those things of small group of characters, and it's this thing that's bringing them together, and we get to know them, and they go through a very good arc. And then, yeah, then there's the big explosion. Right. And you really care when they when they die. Yeah. You know, yeah, when the you characters know, don't the make The grandmother. Mm. You know, and, and when the bridge gets washed away and the guy's up there and, oh, and he can't right. make it, you know. And, and Oh, you're making all these you know. memories. Uh, that movie flood back into my head now. And I I'm forgot like, oh. about him. Yeah. <laughs> he's yeah. the boss. Now you'll be depressed the rest of the day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he's the boss, yeah. It's certainly, unfortunately, you're saying it has kind of been sort of forgotten, but I think it's, it hasn't been quite as forgotten as, like, Volcano, which came out <laughs> the same time. Volcano, yeah. if you look at Volcano as a comedy, it's a lot of fun. Because <laughs> there's one scene that, when I saw it as a kid, creeped me out, and when I see it now, I laugh. And it's the scene where they're trying to empty the subway car, and the guy's got the last survivor on his shoulders, and he's got to jump. 
but the lava's spewing out past the the subway. So he jumps but doesn't make it, and he's slowly melting. (laughs) And then he throws the survivor, and then he just melts, and he's gone. As a kid, it freaked me out. And now I'm like, that would never happen! You'd burn, you'd be in pain, but you wouldn't just disintegrate <laughs> within seconds it's so it, it 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 was exactly how like the the wicked witch melted at the end of wizard of oz and we're supposed to believe this is a realistic scientific movie it's so crazy and the sad thing was volcano did better at the box office than dante's peak, peak. Yeah. really yeah it was more action and yeah, explosion action and, yeah, yeah. and somehow somehow tommy lee jones was the bigger action star than pierce brosnan <laughs> I, I guess he had Pierce Brosnan been James Bond yet, or was that pre-Bond? I don't remember where that came yeah. in. Probably around the same time because it was late '90s, mid '90s. Yeah, the '90s was one of the uh, kind of heydays of the disaster film. It kind of uh, the '50s were pretty popular for it. Uh, most of the '50s though was well, the '50s had a lot of fear of, of atomic whatever, yeah. whether it be war or radiation. Even the end-of-the-world scenarios in the 50s still ended up with mutants terrorizing your survivors. I just watched one last night, um, The Day the World Ended, from 56, I want to say. I don't have it in front of me. One, it it was a Roger Corman film. One, I was a little surprised that it was the 1950s and it dealt with, it began with the end. The the war, the atomic explosions went off, and now we're dealt with a couple survivors that find their way to this house down in this... uh, um, Oh, uh, in, in the mountains somewhere, or a rancher who happens also to be a scientist or something like that. And right from the get of the plot, like, hmm, I'm actually surprised that they had a post-apocalyptic movie in the 50s with atomic, you know, of, of this, you know, the, the, this theme. Um, but then, of course, the, a few survivors and one group of survivors pulls up in their convertible. <laughs> I'm like, oh well, <laughs> the world ain't so bad. You know? <laughs> uh, but it was good. It was it was a neat story with you know people kind of thrust together from different lifestyles that have to kind of survive in this house maybe a little easily more easily than would actually happen but yes indeed turns out there's a mutant you know hunting them from oh. outside that you know so gotta have that so it kind of it starts out with maybe a strong premise and just devolves into what you kind of consider a typical 1950s sci-fi film sure. <laughs> would be <laughs> But then, uh, but then, the uh, '70s was probably maybe the peak of of disaster film. I think 1970 started with Airport, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and that was you know the disaster on the plane. I think they dealt with uh, you know a bomb on the plane and maybe a, a shooter. I I've actually got a, a Blu-ray from the library to watch, but I haven't had a chance to watch it yet. There's a bomb. There is a bomb. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> And that really kicked it off. And from there, you had several, we'll call them sequels. There were Airport, there was Airport 71, Airport 75 or something. Uh, 75, 77, 79. That all dealt with the air disasters. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. I can tell you which ones. 75 was a a small plane hitting the cockpit, colliding with the 747. Right. And sucking the pilot pilot out. out, Mm -hmm. Pilots out. And what was interesting that they actually tried to get another pilot into it from a helicopter by going on a zip line into the hole <laughs> in the cockpit. And uh, I saw these in the theater. Yeah. <laughs> See, I'm actually glad to hear Floyd here. We got a great little kind of um, 
cross-section of people because Matt's a little younger than I am. Floyd's a little young or older than I am. So we've got this um, spread of ages because the 70s was mm -hmm. probably when you were mm -hmm. a young kid going yep. to the movies and this is what was in yeah. the theaters. Yeah, and then uh, Airport 77 was about a uh, 747 sinking. Yeah, that was the huh. one that did like sink in the Potomac or something like that. No, no, no. Potomac or was it in the ocean? Bermuda Triangle. Oh, Bermuda Triangle. Shallow water. Yeah. Gotcha. And uh, that was really that was really interesting. And then seventy nine was a really stupid one about the Concord, and that's just one that just needs to be forgotten about. <laughs> <laughs> I remember at the end of it, Robert Wagner commits suicide because he's it's some stupid plot where he's trying to kill someone on the plane, and so he's wanting to just destroy the plane to kill somebody. Yeah, it was. That's they, they should have stopped at seventy seven. <laughs> and a lot of what I think made the airport and. Well, a lot through the 70s, the disaster films really popular is the stars that they got involved with. Mm -hmm. They were big names, or were big names at some point. In some cases, they were maybe stars that seen the declining years of their career. Um, but they were still, as far as the people that were actually paying money to see the movies, these were big names. Um, so you would have the you know the Rock Hudsons and the Steve McQueens and the you know that type of that type of level of actor in these in these films and they were they'd have a ton of them there'd be like dozens yeah. of big name stars in these films i'm sure that was a, had a lot had a lot to do with the popularity of the films okay so some, some of the uh, the films of that era um like um ones that really come to mind towering inferno yeah and matt mentioned the Poseidon adventure mm -hmm. and those were such good stories they were i mean the star power was good they had the stars but they were such good films; they could have, they would have succeeded without having the star power. Yeah, especially mm -hmm. Towering Inferno. Well, when you mentioned, I mean, I'm sorry, especially Beside Adventure. That's what I meant to say. Well, Beside Adventure too. That's one that definitely had not a lot of actual big names. So Gene big Hackman, names, Gene well, Hackman, Shelley Winters. Right, but they weren't like. I don't think they were at that point the names that if you put the name on top of the marquee, people are going to go yeah. see the film because oh my gosh, it's Gene Hackman, yeah, you know, or it's Shelley Winters, you know. So I think, I think Ernst Borgnine was in that too. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. Roddy McDowell was. Oh yeah, he was yeah. in there. Yeah, he, yeah, he played uh, the, Pamela yeah, the Sue Stewart. Martin. Uh, oh yeah, Nancy Drew. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he was in yeah. there. And they tried to do remakes of that and didn't work. No, no they actually <laughs> remade Poseidon. Once or twice, I think, actually. Yeah. I remember the 06, which had like a Baldwin or something in it. Mm -hmm. Always a big sell. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which actually was, I think, was the better of the the remakes. One of the remakes dealt with um, explosions in the hall or nuclear or something. I can't remember what it was. But it really wasn't even true to capsizing ship or it was... Not, I think I remember yeah, that. Was, yeah, there was, was some some explosion. They used they yeah. used it was a terrorist plot. And they yeah, used a bomb it, and yeah. only yeah, half it. the bombs went off or something yeah. and flipped the ship. Yeah. Or yeah. I don't remember. I, I think the idea of a tidal wave is, but there's no one to blame. This is just yeah. about surviving. Yeah. There's mm -hmm. no there's no person to track down and be like, did you plant the bomb? It's like, no, we just got to get the hell out of here. <laughs> yeah, yeah the, the, that right there is something I wanted to talk about. The the whole the natural the cataclysm that's naturally uh, or from nature versus actions of somebody because uh, I was thinking well would you count like you know some of the giant monster movies or those disaster films but I'm like yes and no right. but I think yeah. the ones that they are kind of like their own thing mm -hmm. um, the disaster movies 
yeah, that are sometimes the most enjoyable are just those ones that are just people having to react to something that they had nothing to do with. No one could have stopped. You can't stop the tidal wave. That just happens. Yeah. Uh, no one can stop um, you know, the forest fire or the earthquake. There's a, yeah. there's earthquake. There's, um, well, avalanche. But, <laughs> but it, Rock Hudson could have prevented it, but he didn't. <laughs> he just had to stare at it or something. <laughs> the Towering Inferno, although it wasn't a natural disaster, it was still a, an accident. Right. A fire. Yeah, that 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 I think would would would, would still count. I mean, yeah. maybe yes, it was you know driven by man sort of thing, but it's not uh, the terrorist organization and we'll hold them all hostage. You know, like <laughs> uh, that doesn't that doesn't work for me. You know, that does it just doesn't hold a, the same attraction to me. But I was saying uh, earlier the idea that a lot of the stuff is kind of ripped from headlines or whatever. And through the seventies, you did have like hijacking going on. Mm-hmm. Um, there were. Uh, airline accidents going on and so that kind of helps fuel the excitement of going and watching the film and having to to deal with it um as you get into the 80s and 90s you start getting into the more less physical threats and more of the biological threats um and that's where you start seeing you start seeing like the, the zombie outbreak thing the virus i was yeah. trying to find the first where the first real like viral outbreak disaster movie uh, came about, and I'm sure it predates things like Outbreak or um, oh, what was the other one that came out about that time? What Andromeda Strain? Oh, Andromeda Strain was a that was a little bit, you, but that wasn't. I mean, it really wasn't. I guess it really wouldn't be a disaster because it was. It could well. It was very localized. Yeah, very yeah, with the, the town. Right, and but it was still it was that disaster in that town that drove the plot, that drove yeah. the, uh, the the science team to try to figure out what happened, and that's a great one because in the end. They couldn't do anything, and they didn't need to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a, that's a, that's a, a kind of a fascinating film. Um, nice slice of seventies mm-hmm. um, in that genre of film between just just science fiction period. Yeah, I remember when they cut open the the arm, I think his arm or somebody, and just the the, the dust, powder, the powder mm-hmm. came out. Like, wow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> What was the other? Uh, there was the outbreak wasn't the only one. There was another like biological. I'm trying to find it in my in my notes here. I know outbreak was the big one. Yeah, that was that, that was movie was big. everywhere for a while. Um, Twelve Monkeys was kind of one of them. A little bit. That's where you start going in the gray areas because that's where the disasters. Well, happen. like you were saying, it, it's happened and you don't actually even see it, but that is what drives your story yeah that's what kicks off your story mm. and there is a couple instances like that where you you, you question it, it's in that gray area of whether it's a disaster movie or not because then you even you know, have to deal with things like i was trying to find some of the some of the other ones that was listed in this article but i saw one that i wouldn't even consider to be a disaster movie and that's tremors <laughs> yeah, that's that falls into the giant monster. Yeah. You know, that's maybe you can call it a, a subgenre of disaster, maybe, yeah. but it's a giant monster movie. Yeah, yeah. I, I kind of think the same thing. Like there was, um, 
like they even mention like Escape from New York and just right. mention it as just out of control urban crime is what it mentioned. And that's like it's, mm, it's post-apocalyptic, sort of more-ish. Yeah, or Mad Max is even mentioned. Yeah, but yeah that's very post-apocalyptic where you don't even see any disaster. Right, it's just disaster happened already. Yeah, it happened. <laughs> We're just dealing with the the life afterwards. The virus movie, there, it, it was not around when um, Outbreak happened. It came out much later, in like mid-2000s, that I really like. is uh, called um, Containment. Or, no, okay. sorry, uh, Contagion. Contagion, okay. Contagion, yeah. Um, and it's interesting because it's not about, like, this virus that's getting released. It's not a, a terrorist attack. It's just, hey, there's a new virus... And it's spreading, and we're getting reports of it all over the planet. And they do this really interesting job of kind of, like, pocketing the movie from, like, five different points of view. Of the point of view of, like, from the CDC. The point of view of just uh, some guy with his kid. The point of view of the conspiracy theorist blogger. The point of view of just, uh, like government officials trying to keep it under wraps and all of those things and you see how they backtrack how they how they're trying to find their patient zero to figure out well where did it come from how did they get it what's the strand and you're you're learning all these things because it it, it's very real about how that's how we figure out how viruses work and the movie just does this really good job of you're seeing all of these different points of view but they they interweave a little bit and the whole movie only spans a few weeks and at the end of the movie they figure out the virus and they come up with their vaccine and they distribute it but you see society go from there's a new virus to no one's trusting each other because nobody wants to get sick to everyone's in quarantine across the country hmm. and it just does this really good job and again there's there's victims in this like you get to know a character and then they die and you're sitting going like that was a big name star that they just took out. <laughs> oh, this movie's not pulling its punches. <laughs> I saw one of the list here the year before that. Anthrax. Anthrax was a okay. I, I wonder what inspired that. that. Yeah, I wonder. <laughs> I wonder. Even if it's not giant monster, it's some sort of monster. There's a lot of films just within this article that mentions that it's a disaster, and it's and I guess with. Um, with most of those, though, it's so localized. Although we just said that Poseidon Adventure can be a localized event mm-hmm. and still be considered a disaster film. But strangely enough, whenever I see things with like any kind of um, a monster or an outbreak of, like, even like they mentioned, like the birds, Alfred Hitchcock's The Birds. And it's like, I don't know if I consider that a disaster no. film. I, I guess I want more destruction in my disaster films, I guess is what it boils <laughs> down to. Yeah. It's not just people running away from something that's trying to get them. Yeah, right. <laughs> I want some destruction. I think when you say disaster film, that's what comes to mind for most people. Some sort of destruction. Mm-hmm. Right. Or some sort of destruction, or whether it be in a city, or in a high-rise, or on an airplane, or mm-hmm. some sort of... Or threat of destruction. Yeah, or threat, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And even though in the monster films, uh, there's usually a lot of destruction going on. Right. That doesn't come to mind when no. it's a disaster film. No, I think yeah. I think monster films are their own their own thing. Yeah. And you know, they don't really fall within that within the genre. Um I mean, you know, if you go by when things are get destroyed, well, you know like the Avengers. 
Could right. Be a, a disaster yeah, that's film. True. Things get destroyed. Buildings get destroyed. What do you think about some? This is a one that was that I thought was interesting that showed up in this list, and it falls a little bit into the, like the idea of like the the airport films and everything. Is Apollo thirteen? Yeah, um, I don't know if I would put that as a disaster movie. Maybe just because it was real. Mm-hmm. I think maybe if that never happened and then someone created this story, maybe I would. But to me, it's more of just it's a movie about a real event. There's something for me that's hard to like pull away and say it's a disaster movie. It's like no, nah, it's kind of more of like it almost has like one hand as a documentary and the other hand it's a movie and right. yeah, especially since they were keeping with a lot of details as best they could. So yeah, it's it's something disastrous happened. There was destruction, but this really went down. <laughs> I was to say about that about that film. I was amazed by it. even though you knew how it was going to end, you get nervous. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. are they going to make really it? Really yeah. nervous. Yeah. So, so when when that radio crackles and, and right. it's You're like, like oh, I go, yes. <laughs> even though you know how it's going to end, right? <laughs> I think there was other. There's a was another film um, along that same idea, but a little bit more of a fantasy film. There was one that I want to say was marooned or something like that, where it, the idea of being trapped in space. Okay. Um, you know, astronauts trapped in space, and whether or not how, how are they going to get them down? What are they going to do? Kind of thing. And I think that would be considered more of a disaster film because it, yeah. it doesn't have that that foot solidly in reality. Mm-hmm. It was just maybe a what if scenario sure. turned into mm-hmm. a more disastrous type uh, situation. Gravity is another movie that I would put oh, in the disaster. Right. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's on the list here. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's a really good movie. Have you seen that? I have not gotten around oh. to it. No. You guys yeah. both have seen it. Yeah. I've seen it, yeah. yeah. Give yeah. that a watch. That's yeah. a really good movie. Um yeah, there's very a, good. especially since they everything that's taking the only thing you hear is what the characters are saying. You're only mm-hmm. hearing well, what's being picked up. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And so there's this really cool part cuz the whole idea is uh, it's the two astronauts and they get report that a satellite, like two satellites hit, and now there the satellites are also in orbit, and the astronauts are in or- Earth's orbit, and the broken satellites are coming around, and they're going to get them. And so she, Sandra Bullock's character struggling to get like, to fix what she needs to fix to get back inside her her ship. You see the pieces coming, but you don't hear them, and mm-hmm. she doesn't hear them, and she doesn't know there's a lot of destruction happening behind her, and you're just sitting there going, Faster! <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, well, def- well, the computer should have picked up on those things and simulated in her helmet the sound yeah. they would have been making <laughs> if they were in an atmosphere. <laughs> this is real life, Floyd. Oh. <laughs> now, I have to admit that when we get up into the 2000s and the 2010s, we do get a lot of disaster films. Uh, the Sci-Fi Channel was born, yeah. <laughs> and they need to fill airtime. And so they purchase a lot of movies from studios like The Asylum and uh, uh, Anchor Bay, maybe, I think is another one. And they come up with... <laughs> Anything they can make for a buck fifty. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And it isn't always just them. It's not just... But it's along those lines. One of the... Uh, first ones I remember seeing that I thought was just uh, along this theme, but it was a major you know, motion picture release, was The Core. Did you ever see The Core? <laughs> I remember hearing yeah. about it and just going, no. <laughs> yeah. 
I don't know if you guys are familiar with it. It's, it hasn't been updated. There was, there was a website called Insultingly Stupid Movie Physics. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and they have not updated in a long time, but that is ranked as the worst one with physics. Yeah. <laughs> the idea of the core is that the the interior mantle, the interior core of the Earth stops moving. And so the electromagnetic field that protects us from the cosmic radiation mm-hmm. starts breaking down. So they devise a drilling machine that can go through the earth to penetrate the, the, the core <laughs> but it was already built before this even happened yes some just yeah. in case yeah. just in case and then by placing thermonuclear charges and setting them off sequentially they would the shockwave would start the core spinning again and then jump starting an yeah, there's not yeah. enough nuclear devices on earth to accomplish that <laughs> and it um, you know i have to admit it was one of those films that it was horrible and it's stupid, but I've it's kind of one of those still it's enjoyable just because of like Floyd was saying special effects, the, mm-hmm. the, the sort of visual eye candy that you yeah. get to see I mean the idea of the drilling machine through it, that's something that, key that comes up all, you know, has come up many times mm-hmm. you know, throughout film history, the whole, the drilling machine that Armageddon Armageddon, <laughs> uh, just anything that you know, will Drill through the, the the mantle and you find explore strange new worlds within our own. That so that I, I watched it mainly just for that. But yeah, the the, the rest of the, the the film, there are so many moments where you're just like, it just doesn't work. But yeah, the the Sci-Fi Channel has come up with a lot of ways to destroy the Earth. We've had we've been swallowed by black holes. Uh, we've had a, a giant uh, giant crack in the Earth, um, which actually isn't new. The, there was a crack in the world, I think, back in the fifties and the forties or fifties or something like that. They did something where the Earth splits apart. Um, sew it back together. Yeah, just sew it back. I, I think they, it, you know, again, atomic weapons probably came into. You know, they probably blew up a bomb and welded it back together or something in the in the sci-fi version but um yeah th- lots although i will admit I, I the one called i think it was called black hole i i, I was impressed the fact that we don't survive <laughs> they, wow. they don't find a way to solve it uh they actually let the earth be destroyed so I'm like well that's interesting <laughs> that would be a brave thing to do now i think mm-hmm. that would be an interesting kind of disaster movie of trying Wouldn't to stop that be something awesome major motion picture yeah. big budget you go to the theaters you're sitting there and then they don't make it <laughs> what <laughs> i think of a miniseries that did that which one was that childhood's in hmm Decent? I mean... Don't see it. Okay. <laughs> Read the book. All right. Now, of course, the one film, and Matt and I have uh, touched on this off mic, I think, talk about disaster films. And one I think that should be avoided at all costs, honestly, is 2012. <laughs> this came out in 2009. Oh, really? Yeah. That, that is like, like the pinnacle of disaster films, but not I, the good I mean, part. I mean, disaster of a film. I mean, <laughs> let me rephr- let me rephrase. Yeah, that. yeah, disaster of. It, a it's film. a fun movie to make fun of. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. maybe. How I, many? How many disasters can they outrun? Right. <laughs> Where they're flying through the plane and the city's like <laughs> falling on top of them, yeah. like the whole city, like yeah, yeah. this little prop plane. <laughs> and was it? Was it the the runway was like crumbling, up, under crumbling them. underneath uh-huh. of them? Yeah. I, I ended up getting such a hatred for that film. That scene right there with the planes, with the city <laughs> crumbling, yeah. and they're flying their plane, and they're 
dodging a vehicle. They're watching people like hang off yeah. and everything, and they look at each other like, "Oh, did you see that? That was crazy!" Well, it's like, like "Whoa, you're playing dying. this for comedy?" Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, from that moment on, I hated that movie, <laughs> and it gets worse. And it just gets yeah. worse. What is this movie trying to be? <laughs> right. Is it trying to be funny? Right. It's not funny. <laughs> End of the world isn't funny. It was trying to be a disaster movie with no plot. Yeah. yeah. And it no succeeded. character. Yeah. Nothing. I think each scene was written by a different person, and then they <laughs> just shoved them together. I never saw San Andreas. That's one that just came out a couple years ago. Did anyone bother to see no. that one? I didn't see that one, because I figured it was going to be the same thing. No plot, just a bunch of special effects. So I guess I'm even though at the beginning of the podcast I said I'm drawn to those. <laughs> <laughs> at this point in my life, I'm thinking, eh, maybe not so much. Could pick your battles. <laughs> yeah, I'd, yeah. Be, I'd be curious to watch it to see if it's the kind of film where the disaster happens and then it's the survival, or if everything goes on and then there's the disaster. Mm. I mean, it's, you can't have an earthquake that lasts two hours. Yeah. Um, yeah. California would be in the ocean if that happened. <laughs> the one movie that does... I'm assuming that's how that movie ended. <laughs> <laughs> no, the one movie that does pull that concept off is Twister. Because it's multiple yeah. tornadoes. Mm-hmm. That film yeah. is actually what really got, a, got my head going on a disaster film because it was like, well... I think, like I was saying, I was just trying to find an excuse to watch Twister again. Yeah. I really enjoy that Twister's movie. a good yeah, movie. I liked it. It, it. Everything we just talked about that you wouldn't do, it does... And it does well. Yeah. And it, it, it's a total anomaly, but it's still a group of characters, but they don't kill any of them off. Mm-hmm. And it's ongoing disasters, which, you know, we were just saying is not what you want, but you do in that one. And <laughs> the really good character development. The one character they kill is the guy you don't like. Right. And when he dies, you're just sort of like, okay. <laughs> you know? The thing I liked about that movie with the characters was that, was that you got to. Really, you got to know them very quickly. Yes, they gave them very you know, distinctive personalities, mm-hmm. and and uh, I mean, it, it looked like the actors really had a lot to work with. Mm-hmm. That they knew their, their characters' backgrounds, their quirks, and everything, and, and that really that really showed. And I mean, there was, I remember when they were driving along, and and they had the, the and you know, and they had the various ones doing different things, and you got to know them. Yes, just, just very quick, very yeah. quickly. They're all listening to different music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Each, yeah, each that, was, that was genius. Have a different personality. Yeah. Uh-huh. And, uh-huh. That was genius. Get to know what what they liked and what and uh, with them. I think the smartest thing they did with that movie, because it was a movie about natural phenomena, about a tornadoes. They gave the tornadoes a very interesting sound. They worked in. I think they actually the said they they worked in like. Uh, like a uh, distorted lion roars or something like that into the into the sound of the tornado, and really you watch that movie and the way it plays out, you could easily s- twist it and say there is a supernatural element to those tornadoes mm-hmm. that that the tornadoes themselves is some sort of living breathing beast yeah and it's just picking on these people or uh-huh. something like that I think they some I think some film did that actually. Mm-hmm. Which film was that? I can't remember. There was another tornado film where I think they actually did that. Like the tornadoes were targeting certain oh, people. It was probably one of the sci-fi films. Probably. I'm sure. You know, <laughs> probably. Metal. It just sounds familiar. <laughs> I could be wrong on it, but it just sounds like I read that somewhere, and I thought that was totally ridiculous. There was a um, I can't remember the title of it. There was a, a more recent 
tornado movie that wasn't nearly as good as Twister. I was just looking for that title because I was just trying to think of it myself. Um, it wasn't The Perfect Storm. Was it The Perfect Storm? No, no. That no. was the ship movie. That was the ship movie. Yeah, okay. yeah that was, it was a Squall. That wasn't it. Um, I don't remember the name of it, but but I remember that's how that's how good yeah. it was. That's how memorable. But I, I enjoy I enjoyed it because when you because it was an adrenaline rush. Yeah. From when the tornado first hit until the end of that film, I mean, when finally, when finally at the end of the film, I'm going, <gasps> I can breathe. I think it was not a great movie by any stretch, but man, it, it was a it was a ride. <laughs> I am going to find the title of it because I just remembered the one actress that was in it that I re- that I recognized was uh, the one that played um, Rick's wife in the early Walking Dead. Oh. I remember the, it started off at a school high Fine school graduation. The, the people were in the in the high school trying to wait it out, and then there was a scene where they were in this uh, like this tunnel of some kind, and and then a couple kids got trapped um, in some sort of um, like ruined area. I can't remember exactly, but but it oh, was, where the water is filling up, yeah, the water filling up, and yeah. they were quickly they looked yeah. like they were going to drown. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, some really into good the tense, storm, yeah, yeah, into the yeah. storm. Okay. Yeah. There you some go. really good tense moments. It wasn't that. bad. I mean, it's not as memorable as Twister. No, I, no, I, I mean, not. I can sit there and talk about Twister, and I get the yeah. I get the scene. I could probably say yeah. the whole movie in my head and the lines <laughs> from the movie. And uh, into the storm doesn't have that kind of attraction to it, but it's got some decent. Uh, surprises, a few jump scares that you know that that are pretty typical of the time it was made, and you know the special effects are decent, and it's a little. And I, I don't want to say that Twister was believable, but Into the Storm was maybe a little less believable. You know, of course, they had the the the, the super storm chasing truck oh, yeah. and everything yeah. <laughs> and things like that. But uh, it's, I won't say it's not worth watching. But it's not as it's not yeah. as good as Twister. <laughs> if you want an adrenaline rush, watch it. Yeah, maybe. If maybe. you want something that's comparable to Twister, don't. It was one of those films where I, I think I had uh, free passes to go yeah. see it, so I went and saw it, and I'm glad I didn't have to pay for it. But I'm not <laughs> sorry I saw it. Sure. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think that's it. I mean, we've kind of hammered through some of their general, and I think we get an idea of what we like when we, you know, or what our uh, requirements of it to be a disaster film are, you know, got to have destruction, it's got to actually drive the plot one direction or another, it's got to either got to build up to it or be because of it, so yeah, it's, it's fun, Floyd, thank you very much for joining us and having a, just this discussion with us. It was fun, and, 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 and again, just, you know, thank you so much for providing the feedback and you know, the emails that you have. Oh, I keep yeah. hoping that when we read those, other people will be like, oh, well, Floyd sends them. I'll send yes. them, too. That hasn't happened yet. That's what I'd be hoping, too. <laughs> we had and that one guy leave a comment early. That's true. Oh, we yeah. had one guy yeah. leave a comment. Don't know what happened to him. Uh, yeah, don't <laughs> I don't know if he's still listening or not. Leave, leave I hope more, he is. more comments. Yeah, no kidding. Anything's good, even if you don't like us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If you think one of the films we said we didn't like, we think it's one of the greatest disaster films of all time, let us know. Yeah, absolutely. I'm Who sure likes 2012? I, yes, I was I'm just sure there's somebody out there that got to be someone out there that loves 2012. Yeah. Maybe just because they love uh, what's his name? The stars. John in Cusack. John Cusack. Yeah, what's yeah. his name? Yeah. yeah, yeah. What's his name? 
All right, but that's going to do it. Any feedback or anything, go ahead and send it to timeshifterspodcast at gmail.com. Come to our Facebook group. Leave comments on the website. Tweet us at Movies at the Mat and Time Shifters Pod. And we will hopefully hear from you very soon. And when we come back, we'll pick one of these films that we've talked about probably today and uh, discuss it in a little bit more detail. So until then, thanks very much, everyone. Bye.
White Zombie, a new novelization of the classic horror movie from award-winning author Stephen D. Sullivan. Available now in print and all ebook formats. Find it on Amazon, Smashwords, Drive Through Fiction, and other quality outlets. Also available in a special edition, including the complete movie script. Grab White Zombie before it grabs you. Details at sdsullivan.com. <laughs>